0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Luke's gospel here is we are in chapter nineteen. We're Jesus is getting closer to the cross. He is actually on his way to Jerusalem. It's going to be actually later on in this same chapter where he enters Jerusalem, and he's it's very obvious that he's on mission, that he's that the climax. This way, the climax of his purpose for being here is at hand. Uh, that was very evident. We'll see that even in the text. But the, the issue was the um, the perspective and the perceptions and the expectations of people about what Jesus was to do was as often the case, was not what Jesus was here to do, and there was a conflict there, and, and Jesus really is, is really laying the groundwork here is, is in, in chapter 18, he's going to talk, tell them about, remind his disciples that, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to go, and here's what's going to happen, I'm going to die. I'm going to, be, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but I will rise again. And the disciples, well, they're a lot like us. You hear what you want to hear. And you really don't take it in if it's not really what you want to hear. That was the disciples. They didn't they didn't understand and they didn't ask. Other other texts says they were afraid to ask him about it. And because their opinion was this, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. You're come here, you're gonna come and you're gonna set up your kingdom, you're gonna reign, it's gonna be glory, we're gonna we're gonna be right there with you. And we're more concerned about who's gonna be on the right hand, who's gonna be on the left hand necessarily paying attention to your mission. And and the others that are around them, they were the people as a whole that were there, that were listening to him, that were the multitudes that are following him. They knew that he was a great man, that he was a man come from God. They saw his miracles, knew that no one else could do what Jesus could do except God be with him, which is true. They saw Jesus' miracles, his words. They thought, this is the Christ, this is the deliverer but they weren't necessarily thinking about their spiritual needs, they were thinking about their physical needs. He's the one going to deliver it from Rome, and, and so later on we're going to find their hearts going to be exposed later, and even in Luke's Gospel, where they go from shouting, Hosanna to he that cometh the name of the Lord, to crucify. Then, of course, you have the, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, and they were individuals that, didn't matter what Jesus did, they were opposed to it because of the threat to their way of life into their power and authority. So we're going to pick up a reading here in Luke 19. It's the context here is Zacchaeus has just been saved, and they didn't like it that Jesus was gone to be a guest with the man as a publican, this man's a sinner. Why are you spending time with sinners, Jesus? You should be spending time with people like us who may not be in their own mind as sinful as others. Well, Jesus has, a, has an answer for them. So Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read, start reading verse 9, if we could stand in honor of God's word this morning as we read. Luke 19, verse 9. Jesus said to him, he's saying to Zacchaeus there in the audience of the people around there, this day of salvation comes to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. So he's talking to Zacchaeus, now he's kind of shifting talking to, the, to the, all the people that are around him. He says, verse ten, very important. The really, it's say Jesus' mission statement, why he was here. He says, "For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost." He didn't come to make our lives better. He didn't come to deliver them from Rome at that time. Here's why I came, Jesus says. I came to bring salvation to sinners. That's it. Verse eleven. And as they heard these things, what Jesus had just said about his mission to come and save sinners. As they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was neither to Jerusalem and because they thought, their perspective, their expectation, they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So he's going to really correct, confront them, correct their thinking here, verse 12. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. It came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little. Have thou authority over ten cities? The second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up, thou layest not down, and reapest, thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up thy laid down, and reaping thy did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that took, stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. They said to him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, That unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. So this morning, next few minutes, just like to spend some time on this, this title, if you would. His mission or your mission? His mission or my mission? At the end of the day, there's only one thing that's going to really matter. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, thank you for your word, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, and we are, we are worthy of it, but thank you so much for your grace and for the gift of salvation, and now allowing us as, as believers to now be put in trust of the gospel that others might know you as well. Pray, bless your our time in your word, Pray, bless the communication of it and the reception of it, that would truly honor that you would do a work among us this morning, amen. Thank you for standing You me, be seated. You know, there was a a, quite a conflict between Jesus' mission and and we'd say this way the mission of the people around him, the 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 people and the the you know the the Pharisees, even the disciples, they had their own agendas. They have their own agendas. You know, isn't isn't that isn't that true and very very possible? Even uh, that even we as believers, while we're in the midst of serving the Lord and and even with good intentions, still have our own agendas still will be on our own mission, so to speak. And he, I think even the, just a few chapters away from here, you're going to have Peter, a uh, man of, of really, with all the things that Peter had, had problems, his intentions really are, are very, really brought into question. He meant well. So he meant well. I mean, he meant well there in, in the garden where, where he drew his sword to defend his Savior. He meant well, but the problem was his good intentions were in opposition to the will of God. And that's a problem. But we can even, as believers, can have such a can have a tendency that, that we can be on our own agenda in the midst of even following Jesus. Jesus here is really confronting this 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 this, this variety of, of opinions based on his mission and, and what he was come for, and and even the opposition that he was that that was against him there. And he simply states it: "Here's where I came." I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to bring salvation to sinners. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the, the Jewish leaders, they were, they were incensed at Jesus. They were, they were hostile to Him because Jesus was a threat to their position of authority and their power and their influence over the people. Well, the thing is, if they would humble themselves to submit to the fact that Jesus is the promised Savior, would believe on Him, there would be no longer a threat there. They'd be working in harmony. It's been said that our natural tendency as people is to think that God is our greatest enemy. That if we, if we just let submit ourselves to God and His will and His word, that that will mess our lives up. Well, actually, the exact opposite is true. The greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest the best benefit that we could ever receive is actually in submission to God and to His Word, not in opposition to it. But the Pharisees, Jewish leaders, said, no, we can't, we can't do that. We've, all, we've already got our lives worked out. We don't want to submit to that. Well, then the people themselves, they saw the power of Jesus. They saw all those things going on. They said, well, maybe Jesus, He's the answer to all of our problems. He's our, he, he will fix everything. I mean, I mean if He can heal the blind and raise the dead, what can he not do? Well, that's a good question. Nothing. He can do everything cuz he is God. But Jesus did not come primarily for the physical relief of the people. He came, well, when he was born, didn't the angel tell, tell Joseph, it's almost Christmas, time, can you believe it's almost Christmas time, that the, remember, the angel told Joseph, the, that Mary shall bring forth a son that shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Even from his birth, it, well, going back to the Old Testament, the purpose of Jesus' coming was not to deliver from physical problems, it was to give deliverance from sin, to give a restoration of relationship with God but they didn't get that. The disciples also, they just they had their own one-track mind. Just like, again, no one would be hard on them. Very similar to us. And so Jesus here, the Bible says, he, he, as he heard these things, he spake this parable to confront this. They thought that, he, that, that the kingdom was going to come, that what Jesus was here to do was going to happen, and and they were ready for that, but he says, no, there's actually a, a greater truth that you need to get, not just about, not just about well, that's of, of, of my power and so forth, but it's this. You need to realign, he's telling the people, you need to realign your thinking with my mission and not expect me to align myself to your mission. Because one day, every person is going to be held account for their submission to my mission. So he says here, he goes through this parable and talks about this noble man. He, he's going to go, he's going to go and receive a kingdom. And, and the, this kingdom, of, of, you, I'm sure you, you get this pretty quick off the bat that Jesus is referring to himself in the parable here. He's the noble man that's going to go and get this kingdom. He's the one that, 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 that's the, the main focus of the, even the, the parable. So he's going to, this noble man's going to go away, going to get a kingdom, going to return. And the implication there is kingdom's coming, But not yet. But not yet. See, it wasn't about, the problem was not necessarily that whether or not the the kingdom side of it all, as far as whether or not the kingdom was going to happen then or later. The problem was this, there are hearts in relationship to who Jesus is. Jesus said, "I'm going to go get this. man's going to go get this kingdom. So here's what he does. He calls these ten servants together. These servants, and there's going to, he's got, there's a really a, a, a difference between this text. You have servants here, and then a couple of verses, you can have citizens. There's a difference there. Citizens are those who are under the authority of the king. They're accountable to him. But even as this text goes, reveals, citizens don't always submit to the authority of the one that's over them." They will be held account to him, by him, but they just happen to live in the country. A servant, though, is a citizen, someone under his authority, but who also has recognized and submitted to the king's right to rule. They are servants, one that have given themselves to serve their master. So he calls these servants together. These 10 of them, and he gives them 10 pounds, each one a pound, a pound about a unit unit of money, probably about 30 days' wage, or excuse me, three months' wage. And he gives them this resource, and really, we would say it this way, he he delivers it to them. The idea is not that this is a Christmas bonus, okay? I mean, it's Christmas time. Everyone likes Christmas bonuses. That's not what this is. It's not, okay, this is a well done, you've served me so well, I'm going away, uh, here's here's some spending money in my absence. That's not the point of this. The point is this: the master is entrusting his goods, his resources, to these servants for one purpose. He tells them, "Occupy till I come. Occupy, literally, be about business." Well, whose business are they to be about? Well, they are servants. About whose business are servants to be? Their masters. It's not their. It's 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 not their business. It's not their preferences. Not their comfort that they're to promote. The master is entrusted. He's he's put in their charge and their care. Resources that belong to the master. He isn't. He has possession. Ownership hasn't changed here. That's important to understand. Ownership has not changed. He is not saying, This is this now, these, this resources now belong to you. He says, No, they're mine. I'm entrusting them to you. Now, here's what you do be about my business until I return. So he goes away, does that. The citizens, of course, you read that, that they said, We don't want this man to reign over him. They rejected him, but we're going to see their rejection of him did not change their accountability to him. By the the parable, he focuses more on the servants here. Verse 15, it says, when he was returned, he received the kingdom. Now he's king, and he commands these servants to be called unto him. And, he, and it says, the Bible says this, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Now again, the master, this king, the no man is not primarily concerned about this. He's not concerned about this. Okay, you, I gave you the spending money. So, how much fun do you have with it? What would you do with it? Did you have a good time with it? Is, is that the tenor of, of what he's saying here? No. He's saying, I entrusted this to you. No, I want to see what gain you've brought. Well, whose gain would it be? The Masters. I want to see you, I gave you instructions to occupy, be about business. I gave you those resources. I entrust those resources to you. Now I want to see. How'd you do with it? Well, we have this first man comes up and says, Lord, thy pound hath uh, gained 10 pounds. Wow. I mean, th- that's good. That- that's good. A thousand percent return. I take that. He said, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. Well, what do you think the master's going to say to this guy? Well, what would you say? Excellent. Good job. That's what he says. Well, thou good servant. Well, you did it. Well, well done. You you did right. I'm pleased with your conduct. You've been a good servant. You've you've discharged your duties as my servant in a way that is pleasing to me. Well, why would he say that to him? I mean, but that's what's pretty pretty obvious. One pound, ten pounds, that, that that's pretty good but the quantity of the return of the gain was not the motive for the commendation. Look what Jesus says. He says in verse 17, He said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little. Commendation was not based on the quantity of his production, but was based on the quality of his faithfulness. He did what is natural, them to do with that which his master gave him to do it. May have a second come up. You almost feel sorry for this guy. Maybe I. Maybe you don't. Maybe I do? Worked hard. I mean, I'm re- okay. I'm reading the lines here. Just work with me. Imagination, a little bit. He's worked hard. He's tried to do. He's, he's been about his master's business. He's been occupying. He's. I mean, he's done his best line up in in in, in queue and line getting ready to present the the gains of the master looks at the front and the first guy this guy's got a wheelbarrow full he got 10 pounds number two he's he's carrying what he's got he's only got five he's got half of it like man i tried i worked hard but it's not like what that other guy did well the master Comes and you know if it was us, you know I just have this this guy that gave me a thousand percent return. Another guy come and say there's you know five hundred percent return. It's like well, good effort, good effort. I could I could see you tried. I could see you tried real hard. You just you just don't have quite the skill sets the other guy. So it's not it's it, it, it's it's good, but it's not like wow. Is that what the master does? No, the Bible says, look at it in verse 18. The second came, saying, Lord, thy pound gained five pounds. Verse 19, and he said, likewise to him. Likewise, the same way. Well, what's the likewise? Well, the only thing that's missing in that verse that's not, that the likewise would include verse... Scene where he says, "Well, the good servant, because hast been faithful in very little." What did the second man receive? What was the commendation? Good job! I'm pleased with your your your. I'm I'm pleased with how you discharge your duties as my servant. You did what I told you to do with what I gave you to do it, and you did it well. You were faithful. See, it was the see the, 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 the these two men have the exact same commendation because the, the, it wasn't based on. Their production was based on their faithfulness to obey. It's have thou authority over five cities. And again, that's this idea of the authority over ten and five cities. What he's doing is you've been faithful in this what I gave you to do. So now because you've been shown faithful as servants, I'm going to give you more opportunities to serve me. Well, then you have the the other one come. The other comes and and really we can just sum up his whole thing here in verse 20 where he says, Lord, behold, here is thy pound. Okay, that's not the problem. The problem is what he says next. Which I have kept laid up in a napkin. As you gave me a pound, the same pound that the others got. You entrusted this to me, you gave this to me, and I kept it. Well, I mean, he was—he was trying not to lose it. I mean, I think—I mean, it's, I guess that's a—that's that's a good thing. It's probably rule number one: if I give my kids something that's a value to me, like you know, the car keys to go open the door for something. Rule number one: don't lose the car keys. That's a good start. Well, at least he didn't lose it. He didn't waste it. He didn't, you know, make a bad investment. But is that what the master told him to, be, to, to, to do? Was, did the master tell him to make sure you don't lose my pound? He said, occupy. Be about business. And the this, this servant comes up and said, Lord, here's thy pound, and here's what I did with it. Nothing. I made a unilateral decision to keep it. So right there, we can see the character of this servant. Regardless of all the excuses he comes up with, to boil it all down to the, is this: he disobeyed his master's command, and there's no excuse for that. But I mean, he's going to try. We're going to go through. We're not going to go through all of this right away, but in detail. But he really, what he does, he blames the master. Said, "I feared thee." You know, if if you were a different kind of master, I'd have done differently. You know. God, if you would just do this and this and this in my life, or then I would, I'd, I'd serve you. Or, God, you know, I'd participate in this and this. I participated in, in, in missions. I participated in my church's outreach. I'd, I'd do all these things. But, you know, God, you just put me in a really bad spot right now in life. And so, therefore, because of your actions, God, I can't obey you. That's what this servant is saying. He goes and he blames the master. The Lord, Master, I, you, your character is not trustworthy. You're an austere man. Remember this, who this old man is in the parable? It's Christ. Is there any question? Is there any spot on his character? Is there any untrustworthiness in him? No. What he's saying is absolutely ridiculous. And he knows it. I'll show you just a moment. He knows it's ridiculous. But he says, you're an austere man. You're unreasonable. You, you take up that you laid not down. You reap what you not sow. Basically, he's saying is this. Master, you expect the gain from something that doesn't belong to you. You didn't lay it down, but you expect the benefit from it. You accept the return from it. You didn't sow it. You didn't labor. It's not your seed. It's not your land, but you expect the harvest. Now that would be unreasonable. But that's not our master, is it? He's missing one very key thing. What he's saying is, I kept this pound because... I didn't trust you to, do with, to, to treat me well, right with what belonged to me. Because I'm doing the work. I'm laying it down. I'm sowing it. I didn't feel like you'd treat me right. He's missing one important thing. It didn't belong to him. It didn't belong to him. That's what the master says. He's going to tell him. He says, I of your own mouth. And I judge it, thou wicked servant. Wicked as opposed to good. You did not do what I told you to do. You were you, by your own choice, you failed and you, well, fail, it's kind of a little too too passive. You deliberately disobeyed me and threw off your responsibilities of servanthood. If your own math, I would judge the wicked So you knew so If you were, the is, if you were, if you you knew all these things about me, if that's how you really thought about me, if that's what you knew of my character then it wouldn't even make sense for you to keep it and to do what you did. Okay, so if you thought, if you really thought that I was so unreasonable to take what didn't belong to me, wouldn't you know that I would expect what does? So you look at it, we there wherefore then verse 23 thou, If that's what you thought verse 22 if you if you knew that that was this kind of if that's the type of character you thought i truly had verse 23 wherefore then gave us that thou, thou my money into the bank that at my coming i might have required my own usury it said, if you really thought i would take what didn't belong to me how much more would should you have known that i would require what does belong to me And that's really the point of this this parable. Jesus is saying this nobleman gave of his own to these servants. Two of them that are recorded here treated what the master entrusted to them as it truly was indeed belonging to their master. And they obeyed. This other said, no, and really? I think I have right to this. I think I have right to do with what my master has given me, exactly how I deem appropriate. And he says, "Well, take it away. Take this pound away from him. Give it to him. That ten pounds." For unto him, for I say unto you and to everyone that has shall be given from him that hath not, even that he has shall be taken away from him. He said, those that, that have shown themselves to be faithful are going to get more opportunities to serve. Those that have shown themselves to be unfaithful are going to have their opportunities to serve taken away. He held his servants to account for how they used what he had entrusted to them for their faithfulness to discharge their duties as servants. Verse 27 he held someone else to account too. Those men enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Well, what's with that? They were citizens. They, were, they had the opportunity to be part of his kingdom. Who do you think he's talking about here? I'm talking to the Jewish leaders, the people. They, wouldn't, they refused to acknowledge Jesus as the Savior. They thought they could make life work without him. You can do that, he's telling them. You can make that choice. But there's coming a day that I will hold you account for your rejection of me. This text, Jesus is is telling them, is, 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 is urging them, all those that are listening to him, to submit themselves to his mission because one day they will all give account of themselves for their submission to his mission. The people, those that would not believe on him, regardless of their, of, the, of their excuses, they will one day face his wrath if they don't accept his salvation. I come to bring salvation to sinners. That's your problem. You're sinners. I didn't come to deliver you from Rome, because if I delivered from Rome, I didn't save you from sin. What have I given you? I came to bring salvation to Sinners. Submit yourself to me as Savior, or when I come as king, it won't be a good day. Talking to his servants, talking to the disciples, talking to us, said, you've already understood who I am, and you know who I am, and have, have, have believed on me and have submitted yourselves to me as Savior. But realize this, I have a purpose for your life that goes beyond your agenda. It's not about who sits on the right hand and the left. It's not about your benefit. It's about your the personal benefits you receive for being part of the kingdom. Isn't that where we can be so often we can be so we can enjoy the blessings of salvation and the hope that we have in Christ and somehow think that we have a right to sit, sit and enjoy the blessings of a relationship with Christ without actually living in wholehearted obedience to him. God's given us a purpose. God's given us, say it this way, a mission, hasn't he? It's simple. Occupy till I come. Be about business. Be about my business till I come. Well, what is, what is Christ's business? What is his business? To bring salvation to sinners. Isn't is it no wonder that the, last, thing, the very last things he said to us, recorded in the scriptures, have to do with our responsibility and our commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? We can get so wrapped up in the Christian life and enjoying the Christian life that we can go day by day by day and rarely give active thought to our responsibility to take everything that God has entrusted to us and apply it into the work of reaching people with the gospel. Well, what, well, what has God given me? are? What has God given us? I mean, what things do I need to... You know, apply in the work of his mission. Let me me turn that question a little bit. What has he not given you that you currently have? Can you name something that you received, or that can I think of something that I've received that God did not provide? Short list, isn't it? Everything we have, life, breath resources family everything that we have intellect he's given us the opportunity to learn and to grasp information and how much how much time can we spend giving our attention to really facts that aren't necessarily wrong but really don't matter in long term i mean baseball stats cricket stats rugby i mean it doesn't really matter south africa won the rugby world cup yesterday that was a great day it doesn't really matter now it's over well, we give our attention and our mind to learning and to applying ourselves to that when God's given us a mind to learn His Word and to communicate His Word. But how often we are so hesitant to give ourselves to doing the actual one thing that He told us to do. This isn't, this isn't really. I, 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 another uh, title I was thought about for this is you know, missions giving, it's not about the money. Because it really isn't. Obviously, money is a big part of it. But it's about here. It's about our heart's submission to him. You know, if he's got your heart, he's got everything you have because you realize everything you have actually belongs to him in the first place. And if he doesn't have your heart, whatever you give, if it's not uh, motivated by your submission to him, it's then somehow driven by your, by my own personal agenda, which is, as doesn't matter how well-intentioned it might be, is contrary to his will because he wants your heart. He wants my heart. You know, we can apply this to the world, realize they're going to stand, they're going to give account of themselves to God. And that, shouldn't be, that, shouldn't, that, that thought should not bring joy to our heart. Is no matter how wicked, messed up the world is, it should not bring, be a joyful thought that, of them standing before God in their current state because that wasn't our Savior's thought. He loved them. So should we. We, we know that's, that's the burden there. But really realize that we can focus on them, realizing that it has to start right here with us as God's people. Realizing that we are servants. We are servants. That means we ought to find our joy and our purpose in doing the will of our master. He's entrusted you, he's entrusted me with everything we have. And he's given this command. Occupy. Be about my business. Till when? Till the climate gets a little the political climate gets a little more harder, till things get not as convenient anymore? No, till I come. He hasn't come yet. He's going to. He hasn't come, therefore, we still have responsibility to occupy. To be about business of what? Bringing salvation to sinners. At the end of the day, there's only one thing that's going to matter. Were we faithful to be about His business with what He's given us or not? Close with this. With this idea, we can get into this also a contest. There's a danger here of saying, well, we begin this big idea of comparing. Well, I, I don't have the resource someone else has. I, don't ha- I can't do what someone else does. I'm not, I'm not in ministry. I'm not, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of this or that. So really, it doesn't really matter what I do. It's, it's not going to be like someone else. It's not the quantity of your production, but the quality of your faithfulness. If you've done with what God's given you, what God told you to do, then you did your job as a servant. The problem with this last man was not that he only had one pound. The problem was he didn't exercise his responsibilities as a servant to obey his master's instructions with that pound. So today, what kind of servant are you going to be? one that faithfully occupies or one that keeps thinking somehow that what i have a right to the things that god has given me we will give account to him let's be faithful